If you are not consciously building your habits, they are unconsciously building you. Annika J. Green Bending Not Breaking The Dragon Prince Edition Season 3, Episode 6 Thunderfall Welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. This is your host, Ben Pruitt, and I am thrilled to be back for episode six. We are approaching the end. We have a couple episodes left, and I am just thinking about all the cool things that we've been able to do. We've been able to have two patrons on as guests so far. We have at least one more on the docket for another episode coming up, and then... Uh, there may or may not be another guest. We'll just, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out if that's going to work or not. But no matter what, you'll have somebody here talking in your ears, talking about the Dragon Prince. And I'm really excited today because we're talking about intention. And we are definitely only going to scratch the surface today as we talk about intention. But there are a lot of things in this episode that I really felt deserved having a conversation around intention. So we're going to talk about that. And to kind of kick us off into it, what I want to do is just tell a little story about intention in my life. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed in my experience with people is that, and especially my experience with me and people, this is not necessarily applicable to everybody, but I have found that I like to joke around, and I'm a joker, and I sometimes get into routines with certain people, uh, whether they be friends or family, and uh, our relationship revolves around a certain theme. And so I really appreciate my aunt. My aunt on my dad's side is super cool. And we hang out pretty much uh, at least once or twice a year for holidays. And usually our relationship revolves around witty banter. And that witty banter often is acerbic in nature. And we are often sarcastic with one another. And uh, we often just trade, you know, little snarky comments back and forth, whether they uh, be about each other or about something that we're both watching or seeing or noticing. And I had an experience when we were playing Cornhole, of all things, at one point where I was in true form and we were trading witty banter. And, you know, my aunt stops and looks at me and kind of like starts chastising me about how my comments are sometimes crossing the line and they're a little hurtful and they can be too much. And I was like, what, what, what? They're clearly, I'm clearly joking. I have, what do you mean? And 
This is the this is what we do. These are, and I didn't say all this out loud, but that's what I was thinking, and I didn't realize how seriously she was taking my words, and how and I and I think it was the uh, coming across as both um, cocky and coming across as egotistical, but also coming across as uh, judgmental and. You know, I, I reflected a lot, and I clearly have been thinking about it, uh, and this happened several years ago at this point, but, you know, it was it was her willingness to kind of pause and say, hey, I know that this is what we do, and it's, you're still crossing this line. And I'm clearly processing it with you all right now, but I'm... I've been thinking about that and thinking about how, like, my my intention was never to to hurt or to cause pain or to... It was just the theme of our conversations where we traded back and forth. And since then, I have been very intentional about leaning into saying things that are uh, honest and true and not, you know, sarcastic and witty and snarky. And so trying to balance out some of the wit with, uh, really meaningful and intentionally kind words. And I, I think that that has, that has increased our, um, relationship. And so I really appreciate that. And so I don't know if that story vibes with all of you, but I, I wonder if sometimes, uh, the things that we do shape us over time. And if that's the only thing that we're focusing on and we have no intentional way of critiquing it, then it becomes this thing where it becomes casual cruelty. And I've talked about that before on the podcast where casual cruelty is this default where we say these really cruel things in a casual way because it's, you know, either socially acceptable or it becomes, you know, something that has always been done and then people just kind of laugh it off when they really are hurt by it. And um, I think what my aunt showed me is that even though there had been times where she may have been hurt before, it, it took a, lot, a long time before she was willing to say, hey, this is a recurring pattern. So... I just offer that to us to consider as we think about intention and intent. Um, sometimes what we mean does not, <laughs> that's not how it turns out. And so again, that, that balance of intention versus impact is a, is a conversation here. Um, but also just how when we are not being intentional, what we do shapes who we are. And I just want to, I want to invite that into the conversation too. So I'm, I'm going to be asking the Dragon Prince uh, in this episode, how we might address that. How do we how do we deal with it? So, with that in mind, I want to dive into the recap of the episode, and I am going to start right now. 
Okay, so Callum and the crew hop off the Ambler, and then Nyx leaves a tip about the Stormspire, and then Ezrin's still flying on Fifi and is concerned for Fifi, and then Viren and the little bug pal have a chat about the past, and then Ez and Harrow have a moment before Viren manipulates Harrow by using his grief to cast a dark spell on the staff, and then Soren has a Joey Tribbiani moment, and then Kasif thinks the siblings are on, and then Erevos is like, yo, give me more info, and then Viren's like, the dragon egg, we have to kill that too, and then Harrow kills Abazandum, Rayla meets with Ez, and then the remains of Thunder and Fifi, and they die, and there's a feather, and then, oh, Erevos reveals that he's in prison, and the breach is blocked, and Viren parts the Red Sea, allowing for passage in a Moses moment, and then Callum has mixed feelings, and then Rayla hopes to break the cycle. Ugh. Okay, we, we did it. Um, there's a lot going on. There's I, I was like, man, this is a long episode. I kept checking the time to see how much time was left, and I was like, dang, there's a, there's a lot more going on. Um, so, ah, well, lots to talk about, lots to talk about. So, uh, for those of you who are just joining us, which seems interesting, um, thank you for joining us on episode six of this season. Uh, maybe it's your favorite episode, but, uh, what we're doing now is we're going to jump into the top five. And so what I mean by that is not necessarily the top five in order or ranking, but rather these are the top five moments that I want to talk about in no particular order um, about intention in this episode. And so uh, first one is going to be chronological. Uh, it just shows up really quickly in the episode around Nyx. I want to talk about Nyx and the intention in all of this interaction. And mostly because it's kind of a peeve of mine, what what happens. So if you're gonna share a tip, but it's convoluted and hidden in some way, what's the point? I don't get it. And and you know, that's not a very generous assumption here. I there are probably ways to mitigate that, but I she shares this tip of like, hey, by the way, the air's really thin up there. Uh, cool, okay, bye. And Rayla and Callum have no idea what that means. It, at least it doesn't seem like it in later episodes. And so they are, and nor does that tip help them. They would have figured it out like way before. But they also don't really listen to that tip. It's like, did their skepticism of Nick's not let them hear her words and really like let them sink in or what happens here why is there such a disconnect in the air is thin to oh by the way here's what you can do to mitigate how the air is thin or uh hey you should know that because it's really difficult for some people to breathe up there and just like following through with just a little bit more information than what was given because I think oftentimes this is a trait of people. I think oftentimes people will share, like, I'm just going to give them a little bit of information. They have to do the rest themselves. And I just have to ask, like, what is your intention with that? Is your goal to, like, make people work harder? Is your goal to be kind? Because if you're trying to be kind, then you're not really going the whole way there. You're, like, being kai. <laughs> um, and so I, I just, I really want for us to consider how we give information and to make sure that like asking, Hey, does that make sense? Do you have any questions? And I've been thinking about that question recently and really for the past year, several years of my life, I often go straight to, Hey, does that make sense? And when I ask that question, what that does is it puts the person whom I'm asking on the spot. 
and they are forced to say like no i don't understand or uh or not and rather than putting the pressure on the person i'm asking that question to i can say am i making sense instead and what that does is instead of it being a concern of whether the other person doesn't get it or not it's a concern about whether i explained it well or not so i've been thinking about that recently so it's not does that make sense if not you're an idiot it's am i making sense and then the pressure's on me um there are also better ways to approach uh questions in general you can say hey does anybody have questions about that rather than saying asking about whether it makes sense at all but i digress um i'm just thinking about the intention behind the question and the impact of the question, because those are two different things. Back to Nick's, though. Um, I, I think my question is, why doesn't she share more information here? Is it because she feels awkward? Is it because she feels like that's an obvious thing that she's sharing that people should know that, oh, well, then I need to prepare for that? Because I would be curious to, to learn more. And I, I just wonder, and I think for me, the most generous assumption I can make here is that Nyx probably thinks that's information that everybody will be able to take and use and be like, oh, well, if the air's thin, I need to make these preparations. Maybe that just makes sense for Nyx, but maybe it doesn't. And so I think my chief concern here is thinking about the gravitas of information that we share. All right, let's talk about my second point, and I want to move to Callum for this next point. Callum, we learn with, you know, big feelings time and other experiences over the course of his uh, experience uh, that he has a large emotional vocabulary, especially for someone his age. And, you know, when we when we don't, have an emotional vocabulary, we get mired in the unknown. And that unknown often is masked by um, one emotion we think something is. And that emotion actually takes over. Uh, the, the data suggests that when we don't have uh, a large emotional vocabulary, our brain tricks us into thinking we're actually feeling something that we can understand and something that we know, which is really fascinating. And, and the way that often manifests is if we're feeling, um, you know, lonely, oftentimes if you don't know what lonely feels like and you haven't ever used that word and really thought about what that means, it can get masked as sadness. And then every time you feel lonely, you're like, I feel sad but you don't make the connection to it feeling lonely, and so you're unable to fix the problem. Uh, and that happens a lot with anger, for instance. A lot of times we are scared of something, and we, f we feel it, and then all of a sudden it, it, we get angry, and it masks uh, as anger. And anger can cover up a lot of different emotions. Anger can cover up grief. Anger can cover up uh, so many things. And I, and I think... I'm going to connect this to what we see later, and I'll talk about it more later, but with Harrow, Harrow is so mired in grief, and then Viren comes and paints a picture of how 
it's actually hatred because we need the hatred of one who has. And then we see Hero kind of lean into this and say, I do hate him. And it's I'm not saying that he doesn't. And I'm not trying to say that... I'm not trying to say that that emotion isn't real. What I am saying is that it has been shaped by Viren in this moment in particular, right? I think that had Viren come in and say, hey, can we talk about, you know, Sarai for a moment? I really want to, I've been thinking about it and I want to have a compassionate moment. And uh, I don't think it would have necessarily come up that he felt hatred. He might have said, I feel terrible grief. I feel X, Y, and Z. But by the nature of Viren's, um, you know, trajectory and questions and things, what happened was it led Harrow to feeling that. And I think that's often how being in emotion and not having a wide emotional vocabulary can lock us into feeling a certain way. So literally having more knowledge and understanding and experience with our emotions gives us a wider emotional breadth. And so, you know, if we are aware of the different facets of our emotions, our brains help us. And if we aren't aware, our brains kind of hinder us. And so I I just, I want to put that out there. And in Callum at the end, when he's kind of going through all the different things that he is feeling at the same time, that's a very high level emotional response. And the reason I say that is being able to hold multiple emotions that are often conflicting at the same time is a sign of real um, emotional bandwidth and it, that's huge and he talks about how he's really mad at, at, at Abizandum. he's also really sad he's also full of regret he's also full of remorse and he's experiencing all these different conflicting emotions and he expresses them and that's what enables Rayla to kind of point to Zim and Ez at the end and just look at the beauty and the miracle that exists between those two playing together. And I think that's just really beautiful. So I guess my question is, would Harrow have done the unicorn spell if he had better access to emotional processing? Um, and, I, and I think Viren's intent going into that conversation shaped the result. And so I just, I want to put that out there. Um, and I also think it shaped Harrow's emotions. So I'd love to hear if y'all disagree. I'd love to hear what y'all's thoughts are on this because this is um, pretty intense stuff. So, okay, number three. Number three, Erevos. I want to talk about Erevos for a moment. Uh, I want to ask about Erevos's intent here. So by asking Viren to tell the story of killing Abazandum, is this like Schadenfreude? Is this is this Erevos wanting to like get 
feeling pleasure at the fact that Avizandum is dead? And I and I think the answer is yes. But is that the main intention, or is that just a happy byproduct? Um, and it might be that he's just trying to entertain himself on this ride. He's like, hey, I'm bored. Why don't you tell me about this thing about killing the person, killing the dragon that has imprisoned me for hundreds of years? Or is it about learning how Viren killed Avizandum and how um, that might help? How would that help um, Erevos learn about more about Viren? Does it help Erevos understand Viren in a way that is uh, helpful to Erevos? And is he using this story to shape Viren in some way? And I think one of the scary things about Erevos is we're not sure. His intent is very clouded, and I think that's what leads to uh, a lack of trust from the viewer. Um, not to mention, you know, he's responsible for terrible things uh, through Viren. But I also just think about how trust and intent matter. Like, if I can't trust that your intentions are good, then I'm <laughs> not willing to do a lot of things. And so I really have a hard time trusting Erevos because we don't know where the intent lies, right? Um, so that's something there. For my fourth point, I want to talk about Viren and lean into Viren, probably for four and five. So what is Viren's intention with manipulating Harrow into killing Avizandum? Like, what does Harrow, or what does Viren, how does he benefit from killing Avizandum? What is, what is the goal? And I think without more information, what we see is perhaps there is a desire for revenge from Viren, but also perhaps there is truly a fear of, of the dragons and truly a fear of Avizandum. And I think that's very possible, right? And I, I wonder, part of me, because Viren is, you know, about to pop off in this season, one of the things that I worry about is, am I missing something in terms of his intentions um, that killing Avizandum might have let him accomplish, right? Because um, I, I, I genuinely don't think his intention was to let Harrow die and become king initially, right? But... I think over time, this thirst for power and thirst to um, be on top and be fully protected and be invulnerable to any, uh, to every attack has led him and has shaped him in a way that he is constantly scared of some, of someone or something taking over and, and being more powerful than he is. So I wonder if this is Viren's habits and actions over time building Viren into someone who believes these things. So I wonder if it kind of returns to that initial quote of if you're not consciously building your habits, then they are unconsciously building you. I wonder if dark magic is kind of unconsciously building Viren into what we see in this season. Um... And that's a really tough thing to navigate, but and it's also like there's a logical fallacy there of like this is a slippery slope, right? Where, uh, but what we're also seeing is that just because it's a slippery slope doesn't mean that it's going to happen. And what we're also seeing is that dark magic 
has an effect on the user. And we see it in Claudia, we see it in Viren, and I'm, I'm noticing that and just wondering uh, what killing something like a butterfly allows us to then kill something like a small doe allows us to then kill something like a human being. Um, so I just, I wonder if that is a track record that, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. And maybe it wasn't, wasn't the intention, intention to, to do these things. But I, I, I also wonder if our habits are unconsciously building us. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for my fifth point for Viren, I, I don't, I want to talk about Viren and Soren in particular for this fifth point. Um, I don't think Viren's intention is to push Soren away. But I think the impact of his exasperation and uh, other things that he has done over the past season, like gaslighting Soren earlier, like doing all these things, has led Soren to be pushed away. And Soren is really attempting to build relationship with Viren in this episode. He goes to swat this bug off of Viren's ear. Viren says, no, it's my familiar. And Zorn's like, oh, so it's your little bug pal. And then Viren just responds in such a way that just shuts Soren down. And it's his ex- true exasperation where he is just fed up with Soren's, you know, personality. And, you know, we see Soren back away. And I think that's one of the most, like, that's one of the saddest moments for me in this episode is watching Soren just back up from Viren's exasperation from his parent, from his father. And I think oftentimes we, uh, as people who care for children, uh, oftentimes we get exasperated and over time that builds up. Over time, if you are constantly pushing your child away or constantly pushing children away or pushing someone away people notice and people learn and realize that you don't care about them as much and I think that Viren had a potential way to bring Soren back in here he could have built relationship back here with Soren and Soren may not have um, walked away from Viren later in the season had had Viren uh, tried to get Soren back on board here. So I, I'm glad he didn't because Viren's just really not great in this season. And I'm glad Soren is able to walk away. But I, I do, I wonder how we can learn from this as people who are not trying to, you know, take over the world and kill a bunch of people to destroy a nation. Um, how can we learn from Viren's mistake here and say, wow, hey, I am really sorry that I was exasperated just now. I I really care about you, and et cetera, et cetera. I, I would love to... I would love to see a parental moment that is a lot like that apology. And of course, all of the Pixar, Disney Pixar movies are all about parents apologizing. <laughs> parents and grandparents apologizing nowadays. So, um, because it's kind of a myth nowadays. Um, but we are slowly trying to bring that back into our culture and ask for, uh, parents to apologize. And so, um, 
yeah, I just offer that for something as as intentional to consider. Um, okay, uh, we're going to take a short musical interlude, and then we'll be right back. someone for the MVP for the lens today. The lens today is intent. And so we are going to nominate someone who we felt uh, really kind of did a great job with intention this episode. And I would like to nominate Ezrin. Ezrin uh, doesn't get much playtime in this episode, but what we do see is Ezrin really being intentional with Fifi. Ezrin is constantly paying attention to Fifi's health, Fifi's ability, Fifi's uh, constantly pushing Fifi to go back, saying, hey, we got this. Um, And I really appreciate Ezrin's willingness to kind of look after himself at the, uh, for the health of this um, animal that is really doing a, a great service to him by carrying him all this way uh kind of a sacrificial service in a way that fifi is going to literally um push herself to the brink to where she uh bursts into flame only to hopefully later be reborn so i i just really appreciate ezrin's intentions in this to constantly pay attention to fifi um and i think fifi is intentionally holding back from ez that uh Fifi will likely pass and at least burn until um, she can be reborn. But, you know, who knows? Who knows? Um, Maybe she didn't know either. But uh, that is my nomination for the Lens MVP. And naturally, if you have your own nomination for the Lens MVP, please send us a voicemail to thearchivy at gmail.com. Uh, might as well, I feel like I need to stop asking, because nobody sends us any anymore. We used to have some, we used to have a lot of good ones, but that's okay. We still have a chance to talk about it on the Patreon. Uh, by the way, you can find us, uh, on Patreon at bnb underscore pod, and we've been having some fun Patreon interactions recently, so I appreciate you, uh, all for participating there. And then, of course, there's the Facebook group where we talk about this sometimes, too, so... We'll just have to rely on those until someone has the the, the desire to send us a voicemail. Um, maybe maybe one day we'll get more. But I digress. All right, our final segment for today is 
on gratitude. And we all love gratitude. We've talked about gratitude before. Literally, kind of every episode. Ooh, there's a raccoon outside my window. Wow. that I'm going to leave that in. That's fun. Um, <laughs> for gratitude today, we're going to talk about uh, Rayla. I'm really grateful for Rayla in this episode. And specifically for this moment at the end, we we know that, you know, Callum and Rayla are really supportive of one another. And I'm really grateful for Rayla at the end of this episode where Callum is in his big feelings, big feelings moment. And he's talking about all the different feelings that are going on. And I'm really thinking about how Rayla is able to see the benefit of Zim and Ezrin playing together. I said this earlier, but she talks about like, look at the miracle of these two playing together. It's, they're going to break the cycle of all the pain and hate and vengeance that has existed in the world. And this is a true vision of hope from Rayla here. And I just find that to be really compelling. And it's also like exactly what I want. I just want for the cycle of hate to stop. Why can't everybody just have some adorabers in their house? And why can't there be cool things everywhere? And why can't everybody get along? And ugh, I just want joy. And I think we can achieve it. And I think Rayla sees that hope too. So I'm really grateful for Rayla. Wow. This has been a a full episode of Bending Not Breaking the Dragon Prince Edition. Uh, I am your host, Ben Pruitt, and it has been a pleasure to have this conversation with you. I hope that you will find us on all the things at BNB underscore pod. And until next time, be well and do good.